0: Get a free copy of Chantel Ray's Five Alive contract, the form that she has her agents sign to get a guaranteed $75,000 salary if they don't make it in commissions. A very controversial plan that's happening in her market today. You can get a free copy. Just text contract to 444-999 or go to hybendigital.com backslash contract. That's hybendigital.com backslash contract, or just text contract to 444-999. Okay, Rockstar Nation, boy, I have a guest coming today from Denver, Colorado. I got Bill Bronchick on the line, and Bill is a renowned author of a book called The Business of Flipping Homes and him and his partner are doing this day in and day out and they've he's actually been able to come up with a step-by-step process for real estate agents, because he saw that there's a lot of real estate agents out there that are false prophets, and by this, and I've mentioned this on the on, on the show before, and it's not the first time I came up with this. A lot of agents are false prophets. You know, they sell houses, but they don't buy houses, right? They they work with investors. They they tell people that it's the best time to buy an investment, but they don't buy an investment themselves. And, and it's really a problem. I think it's a problem in two ways. And number one, that when the market crashes, and it's not an if, it's a when – Right? If you look at history; there's always ups and downs. There's a lot of agents that have a lot of cash flow with commissions, but when the market crashes, they have no wealth. They're not building wealth along the way. And and by buying and holding, by buying and flipping, and by getting in the real estate investing game, it it allows you to build wealth in a big way. So Bill recognizes this, and 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 he's created a process of you know basically how to get off the couch, how to how to go to pull the trigger as a real estate agent into the realm of real estate investing. So without further ado, Bill, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars.
1: Great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Why don't you give our audience a little background on you so they can get to know you better, Bill?
1: Sure, I've been a real estate attorney for since night let's see I can't even count the years but I'll start when I started 1990 been a real estate investor for about three years shorter than that. so pretty quickly I realized as a real estate attorney doing transactions sitting at a table, uh, I noticed my checks were infinitely smaller than the seller's checks or the other people who were involved <laughs> in the deal making. And I said, something's wrong here. If I'm the most educated person, why is my check the smallest? So I decided to get on the other side of the table and start real estate investing. <laughs> and I still practice law. I, I Take a limited client base, which is mostly real estate investors, and I enjoy it. But I make the bulk of my money and wealth and I've made it over the last 25 years in real estate.
0: I think that's hilarious because I'll tell you why. It reminds me of a situation true life story. I remember I had a settlement way back in the day. And, you know, as any aggressive realtor would be for a seller, you're looking out for your seller's best interest, and we were at a title company, and the attorney was charging a mortgage release fee that was ab- absorbent. Like it's just I'm gonna just make this up. It was like five hundred bucks, right? And, you know, instead of, and and at the time it might've been 150 bucks. And I pointed it out to him. I said, this is ridiculous. You know, I've never seen a fee this high to release a mortgage. All you got to do is, you know, and he looks at me and goes, you have got to be kidding me. He's like, look at your commission, you clown. You know, I mean, and he just blew up. It like ruined his day. You know, sweat was coming off his brow and. So I understand what you're saying when you say you sit down with real estate agents, you see their commissions. You sit down with investors, and you see you see on the deed that they just bought it a nine months prior, and they flipped it, and they made fifty G's on it, and and you see all that, and you say, let me get on the other side of the table, and I, and I think Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So let's talk about first of all why you think real estate agents. Uh, Don't get in the game. Why is it so much easier for them to sell and and not buy? And I'm not just talking about agents who rent. I mean, that's that's the highest form of false prophecy. I guess the highest form of false prophecy of an agent is someone that fisbo's their own house. House. The second Mm -hmm. the second level would be someone who rents rather than owns. The third level Mm -hmm. would be you own a house but only your primary residence. So let's talk about the third one, which I think the majority of people listening might be in. Why is that a false prophecy? Why is it happening, I guess we should ask?
1: Well, I think real estate agents and brokers are just like, uh, they're human beings like everybody else. They have uh, um, fears of, of failure, fears of success, fear of the unknown, and uh, that's what uh, keeps people on the sidelines. it? It's not so much that they're going to make an offer and lose money. They're afraid they make make an offer and it's accepted. <laughs> they don't know what to do. So that's I think it's the same thing whether you're a licensee or whether you're just you know the average uh, ordinary Joe going out and investing in real estate.
0: So, so how do we get over that?
1: Well, you, one thing is you learn the process a little bit better so you can take the variables out, the unknowns, uh, and then you do your due diligence on the market and you probably should know the market as, as a real estate agent. And once you get past that, it's just a matter of taking a calculated risk. And that's all there is to it. Successful people are do the things that unsuccessful people are not willing to do, which is take a risk. Wow. But okay. a calculated
0: risk. Calculated risk, right. So, okay, so do you have a process Then you could take us through like a five-step process.
1: Sure, sure. You know, in in our book, The Business of Flipping Homes, we lay out the A to Z of of flipping houses. So it starts with finding that motivated seller, um, whether it be on the MLS, uh, bank-owned property, or an estate, or a fixer-upper, or you can do a little door knocking of, of uh, people who are maybe uh, had a just recently had a death in the family, a probate situation or foreclosure. Just working all angles of distress to find that distressed seller. Uh, we said all the time that uh, there's no such thing as distressed properties, just distressed ownerships. Oh, wow. Um, that's, let me, so,
0: that's a pearl right there. There's no such thing as distressed properties, just distressed owners. And distressed owners sure. might not be posing as distressed owners which is important now because let's face it here we are 2017 you know we're up i have about 500 episodes deep on this podcast plus i have a lot of friends that are investors you know i'm a big investor myself in most markets right the flips the houses to buy are not in the mls they might be Mm -hmm. they were you know four or five years ago three years ago today
1: right They're off-market deals, right? That's correct. That's correct. Most of the good deals are not... Even listed, or they might not even be advertised for sale by owner. I, uh, usually, I, I tell people, hey, go, take a look in the paper or on Craigslist. And they say, well, I didn't find anything. I said, well, were you looking for an ad that says, come steal my house, have a price, yeah. kick me while I'm down? <laughs> They're not going to say that. You just have to be able to read between the lines multiple phone numbers, out of area phone numbers, for sale or rent. You know, just look for the, the signs right, okay, of you're some going, motivation. You're going oh. real
0: fast. Give us some specifics like, okay, mm-hmm. multiple phone numbers. What does that mean?
1: Means they they're saying uh, that I'm motivated. So if you can't catch me here, catch me there. They're putting multiple phone numbers down. Put where? One or more of them in the ad. In the ad in on what? On ad? Craigslist or on Craigslist or in the paper. A, an ad after. for sale, you mean? Yeah, an ad for sale. I'm sorry. Yes, an so ad a for Fisbo sale. ad. No okay. Right. Right. And they might put for sale or rent, which basically says I can't afford to carry it. How about just and I for need rent? possibly it depending on depends on the ad you probably know as a professional landlord would just say three bedrooms two baths, no dogs one month deposit where our, an amateur will go will drone on for you know days about how great the house is house is that's an obvious amateur or they're saying you know for sale or rent or if they're just for rent it might be a, a landlord who is looking to retire we know for sure the property's vacant and gosh what what landlord hasn't thought is it time to sell now when the house is vacant Mm, Wow.
0: Okay. So what else? Give give me some more. I mean, I I know a lot of people now are talking about the driving for dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I know they talk about this on Bigger Pockets a lot, driving for dollars, where you basically... You drive around. You look for a house that you know might have you know overgrown grass, or it's, it's clearly it's right. empty. And you rip out a, a yellow piece of paper, or just a piece of paper that you have, and you have stamps and envelopes and return address labels in your car, and you just draft out a note. Hey, you know, I saw your house on one two four seven eight umpty Ump street. I want to buy it. Call me and then uh, put your number. Now, do you recommend that too?
1: A variation of that—we call it cruising for crap. Basically, <laughs> you're looking for the, you know, the <laughs> driving stuff for dollars, cruising
0: tray. for crap. creativity right. is right. The ability to hide the source. So. Exactly, <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly. And we usually leaving stuff on the door or mailing it—you yeah. know—doesn't it work that well. We go a little farther. We'll knock on the neighbors' doors and say, "Hey, do you know where so and so went?" You know, you go down to the post office, get the forwarding address, and then if that doesn't work, if they have a unique enough name, just go look them up on Facebook. You know, billions of people are on Facebook. I've found so many people on Facebook, unless they're name is smith or you know rodriguez pretty common names you can usually find them on one of the social uh, and then you can stuff. send
0: them because you don't need to be friends with them on facebook to send them right. a message and um message. so you send them a message on facebook it says hey I, yeah. dro- I drove past your house and hey you know if they're freaked out by it so be it you know i mean that's the worldwide web today that's the reality uh, that's there's it. no that's privacy it. you gotta you, know? be,
1: you gotta have to be willing to you know shake it up a little bit like, i always figured in business if you're not taking a few people off you're not doing the right thing
0: Okay, so what else can we do?
1: We could direct mail lists of people who are not necessarily for sale by owner, but could be a for sale by owner, such as people in foreclosure, people who live out of state but own a house in your state, or just don't live at the property. The tax records show a different address for the mailing. Uh, those are all lists that are publicly available that you can mail to people. Probates. Divorces is a tough one. That's a state-by-state state thing. But sometimes you can get enough information. Evictions. People just evicted a, a person. That's public records. Anything that, that's a public record is available to, to purchase. Okay. And they mail to them. Wow. Okay. All right. So you basically you have to go
0: out there and aggressively find off market properties, whether it be through wholesalers, whether it be through word of mouth, whether it be you know Mm -hmm. trying to let people know that you're in the market. So keep me in mind. And then uh, once you get
1: a lead, what do you do? Well, first, if you're a real estate agent, you have to disclose that, obviously, and make sure that you're, they don't believe that you're representing them because you know, it could be a conflict of interest. And just as a, a wrap-up about finding deals, it's not that much different than finding listings. You know, it's the same basic paths, except you're putting a different hat on. Instead of trying to get a listing, you're trying to say, listen, I'll just buy our house in 10 days or less, and here's my price. Yeah. I, I, you know I just bought a house uh,
0: that was an off-market deal. And my letter that I sent was, I am a real estate agent, but you won't have to pay a commission. And I think that right. that's important, right? Because if you don't yeah. say that, then they're going to be like, well, I got to pay a commission. Right. It's going to just create an extra possibility that they may not call you, right?
1: Sure. And in, in fact, you could even, if you did a mail merge and you had some way to calculate this out based on the appraised value, let's say the property, just as a ballpark, say, you know, Dear Bob, I'm going to save you $16,000 and buy your house. So you're just multiplying, you know, 0.06 times the assessed value and put it in a mail merge, something like that. Just got to get creative. There's so many people doing it. So you got to be a little creative, a little different outside the box to get the retention.
0: Wow. That's interesting. Okay. You're saying put the price you're willing to pay on the letter?
1: No, no, no. Uh, the commission they'll save. Oh, 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 see. Right. Okay. That right. Makes sense. So, so if the assessed value says, you know, five hundred and six percent, I'll save you 30 grand. That That'd be a good hook to put in a letter. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So what's the next step? All right. So once you've got someone, find out the problem. That's the biggest issue that people blow up deals. Instead of making an offer, find out the seller's problem. Not the, I need to sell my house problem. That's not the real problem. Behind that is a problem that needs solving. They need money. They got to move. They don't want to deal with it. They are They don't have the money to fix it. It's a divorce. Find out the real problem and see if you can solve it. Solve the problem, make money. Solve the problem, make money. So give me an example
0: of... Uh, a problem that you would solve or that you have solved personally? Give give me
1: some real life examples. Most common scenario, because I've mailed tens of thousands of mailings and gotten, you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of calls. The most common scenario, believe it or not, is the parents have their kids living there and they don't have the heart to throw them out. So they sell the house. Okay. That's the problem. That's a common problem. So in that scenario, say, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it and you don't have to evict them. You don't have to tell them to leave. We'll take care of it. So they don't have to have that uncomfortable discussion with their kids. Yeah, right. They don't That's have the funny. heart to evict their kids, but I do.
0: That's hard. <laughs> I mean, you you got you're really passive aggressive there. If you can't even kick your own kids out of the house, I mean, I, I think a uh, you know a real life one for me. I had a preacher. This is a true story. I bought a duplex. It was a preacher who owned it, and he had tenants in there, and uh, one of the tenants was handicapped. The son he had shaken baby syndrome. Do, mm-hmm. He was like 25, but, you know, he he had the mentality of like a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't paid rent in two years. Um, right. He, said he felt
1: guilty. He just felt guilty. He
0: couldn't. As a preacher, it. it was just I know. way bad karma for a preacher. But same, back, it was same bad same enough karma rank, for yeah. me. But, <laughs> but, but I bought it at, at like 60% of value. It was trashed. And I just put it in somebody else's hands. You know, I said, look, I don't want to... I don't want to know anything. I don't want to talk to anybody. You Go to them. Try to collect rent for a little bit. But, you know, they haven't paid rent in two years. I don't think they're going to do it. Explain to them that you just can't live. They just can't do that. Mm-hmm. And it took about uh, another year, maybe nine months. And eventually they were, you know, they were out of the property and then we rehabbed it. But And I made money, good money on that one. But it was just too hard for him to do, and it was just wrong True. for a preacher to do that. You know what I mean? Gotcha, and, gotcha. So uh, I, and
1: and and I would feel that way too. I mean, even as an investor. But uh, the simplest thing to do would just offer him cash. You know, say, hey, if I give you five grand and a moving truck and three guys to help, can I? I'll move you out. There you go. Cash for keys. <laughs> and, then, cash and then you for keys. cash yeah. for
0: keys. And then that probably would take away. the. This was probably 11 years ago or so. So I think that was right. before that term even existed. Yeah. But if yeah. I did it today, not to sound like a jerk on this podcast, if I did it today, I would have offered them cash for keys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it's, it gets rid of the guilt in a <laughs> scenario. <like that laughs> right. anyway. Yeah. So, Eviction uh, guilt. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, find out the problem, see if you could solve it and construct that into an offer. And then if, they're, if they bite, you're going to put it under contract, just like you would uh, any other property that you're listing. Except you are the principal; you or your LLC would be the buyer, and you're going to have a you know contingencies for inspection, due diligence, so forth. And and then uh, once every title is good, and the, you inspect it, you get a contractor down there to give you an estimate or two, and then just go for it yeah Uh, and 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 let me i I want to add real quick because i'm you're making me feel real
0: guilty i'm making myself feel guilty i'm going to add a caveat this Mm -hmm. this this kid didn't live here by himself right his mom and dad he lived with his mom and dad and Uh, neither of them had jobs so i just want to clarify that (laughs) that's all right we don't we don't judge you for that (laughs) (laughs) all right so we got the point okay at rebus university we seek out the best practices of today's top real estate agents and travel around the world to film them and bring them to you in an educational format listen to what one of north carolina's top remax agents has to say about our new certified listing program
2: hey pat this is buddy blake with remax essential Uh, it's been a little while since we talked but I wanted to call you and thank you and your team at uh, Rebus University. We did the listing agent university and listing specialist course. I did it myself months ago, and I will tell you that that was one of the most informative systems I've ever done. It is meat and potato stuff versus the theoretical bullcrap that you see people say and do and certainly you go to all these conventions and people show you all these whiz-bang new ideas this was real in-the-trenches stuff and uh, I use it myself and you may not even know it but we use it for my team I have a team of about 10 and before I allow buyer agents to take on new listings and become listing agents per se be able to do listings they are required to go through this course also We've expanded it out. I have five Remax offices, and we've got over a hundred agents in our company, and a good percentage of them are now taking this course as a training program. Especially new agents that we've onboard that are brand new into our system, we require them before they can go on their first listing appointment to take and pass this entire course. It is the best thing that's out there right now. And I want to thank you for putting it together. I'm looking forward to getting involved with some of the other courses and really looking forward to maybe a buyer agent course. That would be wonderful. But uh, I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to work with your team. Thank you for taking the time to put it together. It was absolutely fabulous, Pat. Thank you so much. And I just hope you know how much you and your organization means to us. Thank you.
0: For $200 off this program, use coupon code CLA200. The Chantel Ray Five Alive program is now public. Yes. Now anybody in the universe can find out what goes on behind the scenes, what the step-by-step procedures are and what she is doing to grow so many agents making well over six figures a year. For a copy of this program, go to rebusuniversity.com and get $200 off with the coupon code 5ALIVE200. 5ALIVE200. I'll give you 200 bucks off, which is a smoking deal that others will not get, I promise you, in the future. 5ALIVE200. Just the number 5 and the number 200 at rebusuniversity.com.
1: So, you know, in terms of price, I think most people underestimate repairs and overpay for the house. You know, you see on the T V shows. Well, I paid two hundred, I put fifty into it, I sold it for three hundred, therefore I made fifty. Well, that's gross profit. That's,
0: that's all not, yeah, that's all crap, not, crap. Right? They don't really yeah, take out expenses, right. they don't take out utility right. bills while holding it, interest while right. holding it, and right. all right. the right. all the repairs and the materials are given to them at cost or less. Because right, the people just right. want to be on the show.
1: Right, right. And and the thing is, is that, you know, there's always a realtor in the show, but apparently on TV they don't get paid. <laughs> yeah, I don't see the realtor commissions in the. In, in the in <laughs> well, the, in yeah, because the they just,
0: you know, realtors are eg- egomaniacs. So, you know, if you could say, you know, as seen
1: on HGTV's house, right. you know, <laughs> that's, that's a big deal. Just, just as, a, just as an aside, I got an email this morning from a casting agent looking for someone to host a flipping show, so I'll let you know how it goes after the call. You know, I've, I've had some friends
0: on – I don't want to say friends, okay? So some people I know I – I've had one friend who had uh, – it is a friend who had his, his own reality show. That, uh, Nick Walner has been on my mm-hmm. show before, Beachfront House Hunters, and it was such – he told me deep down it was such a load of crap. You know, He didn't renew right. his contract. How unreal – for reality TV, it was, and and had another person that was actually on the Profit with Marcus Lemonis, and he wanted he came his company that was put on that show and made to look like idiots on the show came to rent a space I have in a in, in a commercial property that I own, mm-hmm. and he sat down with me and and told me all the reasons why that show was an absolute disaster because as soon as I oh, got yeah. his application. I went on YouTube because someone told me to go on YouTube and look at it. And I watched the whole show on YouTube. I was like, oh my God. And then he was like, dude, let me tell you. They told me what to say, when to say it. They told me what to wear. They (laughs) told me how to act.
1: It's not education. Told me everything. Yeah. It's entertainment. That's all it is. But I promise I won't be like those guys who just, uh, if I do take a show someday, I won't be one of those guys who farm out a seminar business to some guys out of Utah and rip people off. (laughs) Because that's what a lot of these guys do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So, right,
1: so uh, you get a deal under contract, you go through the due diligence, you know, you got to make sure that you buy it cheap enough that number one, you get a, a margin of repairs that is higher than you think it is. Cause you got to, you know, th- you don't go best case scenario on your offer. You go, you know, likely or worst case scenario to make sure that there's room for error. Make sure you got financing lined up either from a bank line of credit, your own cash or maybe even a local hard money lender. There's plenty of those around. They charge a lot of money. But if the deal's right, the, the deal makes sense. Even paying 12 you know, or 15% interest for a short period of time. You can also finance by using a Home Depot financing. You go to Home Depot and you can actually get financing for six months, no interest for a project, which is more than enough time to you know build it and rehab it and sell it. Or using credit cards that have zero interest for a year or six months, put it on them and then pay it off at closing. Yeah,
0: yeah. So lots, of, lots th- of ways to go. There's a there's an abundance of hard money right now. I met with a hard money lender last night. Actually, I was uh, uh, I had dinner with a group of uh, mm-hmm. real estate people, and uh, one was a hard money lender. And he, I said, "What are you charging today?" He said, 14%
1: percent, four points." Ouch. Um, That's high. Yeah. Because it's competitive the market in my market it's very competitive. There's a lot of hard money lenders, so they're going about twelve percent and two to three points. And there's even lenders going under ten with one point if you if you qualify a little better. You I mean you're not just walking out of a prison cell with no credit report?
0: Well, most of them are just tied. A lot of them just tied to the house. Like I know right, I right. know a twenty one year old that got that bought that just recently just bought seven houses, twelve percent three points no credit run nothing just uh tied
1: to the house right all these loans are tied to the house you know right. they, they um i i what i found is a lot more hard money lenders are getting a little tighter. It's not like it used to be ten or fifteen years ago, where you've just had a pulse you can get a loan, uh, because they're not lending their own money all the time. They have pools of funds that they've syndicated.
0: Yeah, right. And therefore, they, they, they have pay to promise 10%. their
1: investors. they're yeah, they have to promise their investors that uh, they have a low default rate. So they really don't want the property; they want to get paid.
0: Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And 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 I've been offered many of those pools. Generally, they pay ten percent. So the spread on that for the for the hard money guy is the points, or the right. points probably cover the cover the overhead of, of running it, and then mm-hmm. they got, you know, four percent, which is a pretty good spread. Right. You know, banks don't 10% make ten percent is
1: so. pretty good. Is that in your market? Because my market they offer seven or eight. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. I, after
0: the show, I can connect you with some. People oh yeah, going. that'd be great.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, I have lots of clients with IRA money. Would love to get ten percent. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, once you're going to close, then you got to make sure you've got your contractors lined up. And if you don't have ones that you know really well, then it's time to start interviewing and no less than three bids and make sure that bid is a detailed scope of work, not just a new kitchen, $15,000. It's got to be broken down by, by part, by item, exact number of them and what they're charging for materials and labor. Really, really detailed. That way you could shop it with other contractors i think a lot of investors get burnt on the contractor thing uh they have a bid um of let's say forty thousand dollars to rehab and then they, while they're going either there's an emergency something has changed they want to change the color or they want to add something to the bid and then they don't negotiate it so at the end they get a bill for sixty thousand instead of an extra five and it's their fault because right. you didn't negotiate you had burnt
0: right you so you got to put it in writing is what you're saying got to put I'm it in right, writing hey you know if, if it goes over it's on you
1: Right. I mean, I've I've seen investors just get like a, just an invoice estimate from a contractor and that's all the the only writing they have. That's crazy. You got to have a, uh, a detailed scope of work, a contractor agreement, you know, what happens if they do this? What happens if they don't do that? Yeah. Now do you put,
0: do you put in there like exempt from surprises and a surprise would be termites, right? Right. Going in, he doesn't know about the, the contractor doesn't know about termites and all of a sudden, boom, you find termites, right? Right. So do you put that in there to protect the contractor or you say, hey, uh, you know, contractor well, what beware I is,
1: uh, is, is it if you don't get a bid in writing, you know, a, an extra item in writing, you eat it. But it's, if there's an emergency is defined as follows, then you're going to bill me at X dollars per hour and cost plus X. OK, so, so that you, way you work you know, it out. At least
0: it's a def- default. Right. So you work it out so he doesn't have you under the gun. Oh, you got termites. Right. G- guess what, Bill? You know, you got an extra five G's. Right. So you've already worked it out. If there is an emergency right. that neither of us know about, which happens right. all the time, right? Uh, they open up the ceiling, and there's some leaky pipes that Jimmy you did not know about. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, then it's built at X an hour and uh, plus. Yeah, right. I like that. I like that. You spell yeah. it out like a third grader spell can understand.
1: Right. And then make sure at the end, don't pay them all the money until it's completely done, cleaned and all their stuff is out. That's a big mistake that I have made and many people make Mm. is they say, I'm done. And then you pay them everything and then you go inspect it and find 10 things wrong and they disappear. Yeah, on to the next job. So you've Good. got to hold back at no clean. less than twenty percent, maybe even more. You know, create that punch list of final items, and then they don't get that money unless they finish it. It's got to be enough to sting. If it's five hundred bucks, they're off to the next job.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like the real estate contracts say: uh, house will be left broom clean and free of debris. Right.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Exactly. Cool. Okay. What else you got for me? And then uh, make sure then you're gonna you you absolutely going to list it with a real estate agent. If you know the market really well, that's one thing, but if you don't, you need to hire another agent. Because positioning the property for sale as you as you well know is the key to making it sell right. If you overprice it, it's going to sit, you get it to get stale. If you underprice it, you'll have sellers regret. <laughs> but, you know, as long as it's priced to move in a reasonable period of time and it is competitive and you should look at all the other properties for sale before you even fix a thing and see what the level of finish is you have to get it to before you spend money. over fixing or underfixing are common mistakes. Hmm. Okay, so
0: is there a step after that or is that pretty much?
1: Well, uh, you got to make sure as usual, when you're going to sell, you have control of the deal. So, could, because if you don't take control, it's it's not going to close. You got to make sure w- what is the underwriter for the mortgage company of the buyer, you know, waiting for what do, you know what is the appraisal done? Is the inspection been done? Has it been resolved? You got to just really take control of those items, like it's like you, you yeah, would do. Like a realtor control.
0: would do, right? right.
1: Yeah, any anywhere, and and finally, one one thing to keep in mind is if your buyer is going FHA, which is very typical in lower end houses, there's a 90 day resale rule where yeah. you have to be entitled 90 days, or if it's a Fannie Freddie property you bought there's a deed restriction you can't resell it within 90 days so just put just keep into your keep into your in budget mind. that you got 90 days minimum to hold it yeah
0: i think it used to be worse than that but the 90 yeah. days is nothing now you know yeah you 90 days is nothing especially if you're yeah. fixing it up
1: right right if you're going to do any kind of decent rehab it's going to take you for four to six weeks and that's if you can get a contractor to show up on time <laughs> right right and <laughs> finish <laughs> on time so um <laughs>
0: Cool, cool. Well, what I want to do, Bill, is finish this up with some with some numbers, because uh, you know this show is all about meat and potatoes news you can use, right? I want uh, you know what is your opinion? What are your standards for what you have
1: to make
0: profit wise mm-hmm. per
1: flip? Got it. Uh, I go by percentage of the sales price. So if I'm not making at least 10 to 15% of the back end sales price it's too thin. The back end sales price which right. is what you sell it for. So let's use What you use, sell it for. let's so use common numbers. Yeah. Right. So if I anticipate selling it for 300, mm-hmm. then my fee should be minimum minimum 30 grand net, maybe closer to 45, and it also depends on how much rehab I'm taking on because you don't want to take on a uh, 100 grand rehab to make 30 it's just too much of a margin too much for of a error risk. there. What right. what so percentage so,
0: should that be do you think?
1: My general thought is you want to make $2 in profit for every dollar of rehab. Okay. so am uh, the opposite, the opposite. $1 for every dollar of rehab, you want to make at least a 50 cent profit. I'm sorry, I did it backwards. So if you put, put in 50 grand in rehab, you got to make at least 25. Otherwise, it's just too risky.
0: Okay. So sl- I'm slowing this down. So if you if you put in, if you buy a house for, let's say, a 200, right? Mm-hmm. And you put in 50 and you got 50 in it, you want to be able to Probably sell it for 300 minus commissions and closing costs and all that, so you
1: make 25 That's probably a little thin. Uh, probably more like I want to sell it for more like 310 320 The other formula I use is just as a rule of thumb, obviously, because we want to right, cross 25 the, 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 would be uh,
0: like 8%. I got right. you. And so you want to w- be between we 10 be, and 15
1: yeah. yeah. Right, so we wanted our gross margin has to be about twenty-five to thirty percent, and then minus all the soft costs of financing, holding, closing costs, realtor fees, and all that. That ends up being about twelve to fifteen percent net profit. Okay, so ten to
0: fifteen net profit. You want the the repair costs to be no right, more, than, no more double than double
1: your profit. profit. Yeah, no more than double your profit.
0: No more than double the profit. So if you right, right. So if And there's
1: familiar, exceptions to that. There's obviously exceptions. I see how to you that, got confused
0: with that. No. Yeah. So the repair yeah. costs, no more than double the profit. That's that's the easiest I, way to think about it. Those are Those yeah. are two great benchmarks, right? Two yeah, simple benchmarks. So someone listening to this could be like, you know, I can do this, right? I, I got these two benchmarks. I got these steps. You, you know what I mean? It's just a matter of pulling the trigger. And if you can't make this work, guys, don't do it. But at the same time, don't think that it's impossible you know, don't be afraid to, to, to go an hour outside of your area or go to other areas or consider other areas and, and
1: drive a little bit. Right. And one of the things I do discuss in our book is wholesaling. So if you want to get your feet wet with a couple of wholesale deals, wholesale it to another investor who's going to do the fix and flip and then learn. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then watch them. Well, listen, Bill, this has been awesome.
0: I really appreciate that you taking time out of your busy day. I'm going to put a link to your book, The Business of Flipping Homes, on hybendigital.com com backslash i'm gonna just make it your name if if you're okay Hybindigital.com. Yeah. tell you what i'm gonna just put bill b because you know your your name is you know <laughs> bronchick so i'm gonna just Sometimes put bill misspelled b. right bill b hybendigital.com backslash bill b all of bill's information will be there if you want to reach out to him say hi he'd be happy to talk to you bill thanks so much for coming on i wish you the best of luck
1: pleasure it's been my pleasure being on
0: Thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Please be sure to leave us a five star review wherever you're listening. All five star reviews help us get better and better guests for your listening pleasure. And if you have a great review, I'll read it on the show. We're so proud of this show now with over a million downloads in 79 countries around the world. Also, Don't forget to buy my book if you haven't already, Six Steps to Seven Figures, A Real Estate Agent's Guide to Building Wealth and Creating Your Destiny, with an intro by Gary Keller. Sold everywhere online books are sold. You can always go to pathyben.com and find out about all things Pat Hyben. And don't forget to follow me on social media. All you got to do is type in my name, I'm Everywhere. And easy to find. I hope to meet face-to-face someday. But in the meantime, let's meet on social media. Thanks again for listening and keep rocking.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.